This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Well, you know, folks, criminals don't follow any high-capacity magazine limits. Criminals aren't restricted to the guns on the California gun roster. They also don't follow a 10-day waiting period. So what should you do? Well, gun control laws just make it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. So what can you do about it? Well, you need to join a Second Amendment activist group like San Diego County Gun Owners. SDCGO makes activism easy. You can work together. We're uh, we're getting more pro-gun officials elected. Join today at SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com. That's SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com and join today. Yep, or sdcgo.org. And also go to gunprom.com because gunprom's coming up. You only have three more weeks to buy tickets. That's right. So if you haven't purchased your table and tickets, do so ASAP. Yeah. And And I was. We have plenty of room. Well, it's funny. I was talking to Responsibly Armed Radio, (laughs) Girls with a Gun. Mm hmm. Judy Wells. Oh, yeah. Is she buying a table this year? She couldn't. She didn't even know about it. She, for whatever (laughs) reason. Thanks, so I was thinking, thanks for reading the email, Judy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. I'll think. reach out to Judy and uh, get her all. Yeah, because I t- and I told her I might even have an extra chair if it's too late to get a table. It's not too late to get a table. Was Everybody, hear, hear that loud and clear. It's Everybody. not too late to get a table. <laughs> We're all getting a table. Buy a table, buy a ticket, buy a ticket at a table, whatever you can do. Download our voter guide. Go to our website, sdcgo.org. It's election season. Uh, people are voting right now. You should have your ballot right now so get on your ballot get on our voter guide check take a look at our email from thursday um we don't just have our voter guide we have uh, links to other voter guides so Mm -hmm. that you can see federal and you can see state as well as our local voter guide so don't forget to vote for kelly martinez for sheriff everybody yep Yep. everybody in the county uh, can vote for kelly martinez for sheriff i don't know if you saw it but hammerling that absolute disaster of a uh of a candidate um, the Union Tribune pulled their endorsement of him. Really? Did you see that? No, I did not see that. Oh my gosh! It's how humiliatingly embarrassing. How, you know how does that happen? They just okay. So the Union Tribune did absolutely no homework and no no real uh, no vetting. No real vetting. They endorsed him um, based entirely on the fact that uh, they're they're unhappy with what's going on with the jails in San Diego. Um, there have been a lot of deaths in the last ten years in the jails, which is horrible, and that's a problem that needs to get solved. Um, they decided that his background, Hammerling's background, you know, you can always tell when, when, when they really, really were pushing so hard to try to make him look like a candidate that had any kind of qualifications. So they were using terms like uh, they said something about his temperament. He has a good temperament, you know, and whatever, which means he's got nothing to offer. Right. But it was it was odd. One of the things they talked about was when he was a uh, battalion commander in the Marine Corps. That I guess that uh, part of the job or part of the battalion was to oversee. 
you know, like basically POW camps, which, okay, fine. I'm not taking anything away from that. He, he, he was a Marine and, and I guess he served honorably, honorably and, and I'm sure that was a difficult job. But if you're concerned about prisoners, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that America earned the best reputation for, for, for prisons during the Iraq war. Yeah. You don't think I'm not quite sure that's, <laughs> that's going to translate, but whatever. Anyway, they found some comments that they didn't like the Union Tribune um, that they he had already made uh, when they endorsed him and pulled his endorsement. That's that's a, that's unusual, isn't it? Highly unusual. Highly. I mean, it's you really have to be. I mean, they they must have really just kind of been walking a line and holding their nose uh, to to endorse him. I mean, yeah. he really just isn't qualified. Doesn't bring anything to the table. And uh, the Union Tribune stepped well, I'm glad in you it. said something, because have you seen the subscription numbers for the UT? No. So it's a good thing we announced it, because a lot of people would have missed they don't it. Even, they just missed it? Yeah. So let's talk about CCW increases real quick. Um, we've known that this was going to happen for years. We've been talking about it for years. And uh, basically what happened is the county said, hey, Sheriff's Department, we need an analysis. We need you to actually show us you know, how much money is spent on CCWs. Now, part of the county charter is that uh, basically uh, licensing is supposed to be self-sufficient. So however much it costs to pay employees to um, to do these licenses, uh, that's how much, uh, that's how, basically how much it needs to get charged. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the fees that come from, from, you know, getting the license are supposed to pay for the people that are issuing the license. So they analyzed the entire thing, not just the CCW section, but every license, everything that licensing does, and they some it's some some huge number, like twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, somewhere in between there, that uh, that they're basically that that is the cost to the sheriff's department to the county um, to issue each CCW license. So they said we're definitely not going to charge that, and uh, but they did go up about ninety bucks. It's going to go up about ninety bucks. Wow. So what's what's going to happen? Well, they're going to. One of the things is you know just the economies of scale. The more CCWs that are issued, um, the uh, you know the lower the lower cost per permit. Um, well, there was an issue though this um, this month. They only issued like sixty three licenses, which is weird because it typically weird. it's over two hundred a month. Hmm. That's what they normally do. I'll have to check on that. When did when did those numbers come out? Uh, just last uh, was it last week? What day is it? Sunday? Yeah, last week they came out. So the goal is to uh, increase efficiency, increase the 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 licenses, the number of licenses. Um, you know, basically do a better job of of, of being efficient, um, and hopefully keep the cost down. It's it really is enormously expensive, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, so that's that's what's going on. Unfortunately, the it's going to go up about ninety bucks. Well, and there's some things they can't control, right? Like uh, you know, it'd be cheaper if you did it every five years, like other right. places, instead of every two years. But that's not under their control, I don't think. Is that, it? That's, that's state, state law. Thing. Yep, yeah. state law says every two years. Um, and I don't know if the states. Of likely course, they're to, not going to. Uh, why would they? <laughs> they why would they do anything? You know. Yeah. So, so the question. So, just so everybody understands. So if it's technically taking them twelve hundred dollars, you know, and we're only paying whatever, fifty, sixty bucks. I mean, all in all it's about hundred and sixty bucks, but not all of that goes to the sheriff's department. Some of that goes to the state and the FBI. So but about fifty, sixty bucks is actually going to the, the, the county, something like that. So what wh- where's the rest coming from? Well the rest is coming from other taxes, right? So the county's getting revenue from, you know, uh, um, property tax and, and uh, other sources. So it's actually 
they're pulling money. It costs them more money to issue CCWs than CCWs makes. And, that, and that's not just CCWs. That's every license that mm-hmm. they issue. Unfortunate. Um, the uh, But like I said, the sheriff said, nope, we're not going to – they're also going to phase this in over like three years – and uh, but they were adamant that they they really tried hard to, to you know I mean really truly the charter said that you know if they followed the charter um, they they would charge twelve hundred dollars for a CCW um, but uh, and and it sounded like the county board wanted to charge even more um, so that's that's the goal that's yeah. what needs to happen and they do seem like I mean the licensing group there I mean under the current regime or configuration really seems like they're trying to do this right and they're trying to do as much as they can or what they can do it's just uh, I, I think there's some other things some things are beyond their control some things are maybe management things that might be uh, done a little bit better but but overall they seem to be trying to do a good job there I agree I, th- th- I think that they can they're you and I have talked about this a lot Joe they can become more efficient um, and I think that they'll there will take steps to become more efficient and I think that that will make uh, they already have, you know, they've already taken a lot of steps to, to be way more efficient than they were. Um, and it'll come, it'll happen in time, you know, trying to balance the, it, it's an, it's a huge balancing act, you know, cause the state of California, they don't want to issue these at all. Well, no, and that's seeing, that's the problem though. Cause if you look at, you know, like how DOJ devotes hardly anybody to this yep, and the demand is increasing normally, if we get a decent ruling from the Supreme court in the next week or two, and people actually realize that they can do that because that's what's holding it back now. It's out here. People just don't realize they can get one, but that's just going to increase, and they're going to have to get better at it. Oh, that ought to be good. Hey, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. What's going on at the NRA show? We're going to find out next with Ursula Williams. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms that you need to call, California firearms lawyer John Dillon. Especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. You know, it'd be fun to talk to talk to him and say, how many guns are coming into California? <laughs> I bet he doesn't really. I bet he's not real busy there. What do you think? I think he's probably pretty busy. Yeah, but not about guns <laughs> coming to California. Yeah. Who's moving to California? Nobody. You know the U-Haul story. Yeah. All right, so Ursula Williams, 2A activist and professional shooter and podcaster. What's going on, girl? Oh, my God. Like, I literally just wrapped up the show an hour <laughs> and 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Pounded a couple of beers, and you're ready for Gun Owners Radio. No, I haven't even had a beer yet because I was like, I do not want to be drunk on this show. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we miss seeing you in studio, yeah. but it is what okay. it is. How's it, how did it go at NRA? Uh, the show was really good. Um, the show, I mean, like, it was a huge attendance, at least to me. I'm kind of waiting for the numbers like everybody else. Um, 
we had, there was a lot of foot traffic. There was uh, a lot of companies there, and it was um, it was awesome to actually connect and uh, chat with the end users, with the customers. That's awesome. Did you? Uh, it was in Houston, right? It was in Houston. Um, it was at the uh, George Brown Convention Center. Yeah, the big convention center. Yeah, oh. absolutely huge. And um, so it was. My hotel was actually a mile away. I just walked that. I thought it was actually pretty cool. It is so, really. I mean, it's, I, I think you know, rival Shot Show in, in size, right? Or um, no, I, no. I didn't go to Shot Show. I did not go to Shot Show this year because mm. uh, I was kind of protesting the whole mask thing. But even though I heard that like Shot Show wasn't really enforcing masks, anyways. So, either way, um, in previous uh, NRA shows I have been to, this is actually the biggest one in my opinion. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. What was your favorite um, part? My favorite part outside of I was there with Staccato, which we all know, and it was uh you know teaching, meeting a whole bunch of other Staccato owners. But I did get some opportunity to walk the floor too. So like uh, some of my favorite companies like Vortex, they actually came out with new rangefinders. Um, I hit up Silencer Shop because that is a huge thing, especially going to the new e form. For uh, for suppressors and stuff like that, had to check in over there because those guys are awesome. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's back up. So Vortex came out with a new uh, rangefinder. They came out with three new rangefinders. Talk about that. What, uh, what, what were you impressed? You know, for the price point and the clarity of all of them, they're actually pretty good. So they have the cross the Crossfire, the Diamondback, and the Viper, and pretty much like there you have like. The Crossfire is going to be more of your standard, you know, average Joe, you know, rangefinder, which goes all the way out to 1,400 reflective and about 750 non-reflective. Hmm. And what I mean by that for, you know, like your listeners, like non-reflective would be like a deer. Something that's reflective, like a steel target, yeah, you can get out to 1,400 yards with that. Gotcha. And that's going to be, like the, and the price, you know, MSRP is sitting at like 270, so that means uh, map is going to be about 250 yeah. floating around. So that's like going to be the, like the best average show one. Then they have one that's like, you know, the Viper, which is 3,000, 3,000 yards. So Jeez. I'm like, that is a, uh, that's pretty good. If you don't know this, but a mile is seven is a mile is 1,760 yards. Yeah. I don't, th- yeah. honestly, I mean, you can't, even, I don't know. I don't know if a shot's ever been made at 3,000 yards. I don't think. Uh, but- think there's been a couple of two mile shots uh with uh 50 and i think 458 uh shy pack is another one that there's been two mile hits with oh really i didn't, I didn't know that. you can always ask mark Wahlberg. yeah there you go from the yeah. movie from the movie uh shooter shooter or is that what it was that movie also made the remington 700 so famous you think you think <laughs> i've watched that movie i'll bet you as many times as no, Mike has watched it, Red Dawn. <laughs> what? Like that. Uh, I thought you were a show without it. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I've seen it. Huh? Have you seen it? Mark Wahlberg's uh, Shooter? Oh, you're asking me? Of course. I've seen that movie like a hundred times. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Girl after my own heart. It is, it is so, I'm like, I know, that's one of those few movies that I know like, like scene for scene. That's like one of those movies I know yeah. too because I already like seen it a hundred times. I already yeah. know how it's going to play out in like, I like little tips and tricks and also uh, little nuances. So, like, if you didn't know, Mark Wahlberg is actually a left-handed pistol shooter and right-handed uh, rifle shooter. That's mm. right. That's and I got one playing. other little tip. When you see him in a movie and he, and he gets injured, he limps 
the same way in every movie he's been in. <laughs> no matter if he's got shot in the left leg, right leg, don't make no difference. He limps exactly the same way. So there's a cocktail trivia party for well, you. Well, I remember seeing that movie, and I remember like you know driving home. I actually saw it in the theater. And I remember driving home thinking, that's kind of cool. I'm going to take the firing pin out of my out Yeah, of my wasn't that? And then I got home, and I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. That's a big pain in the butt. <laughs> Is there a spring in there? Because you'd lose a spring. I'd definitely lose a spring. No, since that movie, I swear, every time I go travel, like I, I, move, I remove bolts out of my guns. I do all types of stuff. I'm along just because, uh, yeah, it's like, well, people have distrust in the government. So it's all yeah. good. <laughs> no, you're, you're smart. You're absolutely smart. I'm, I'm oh, lazier yeah. than I am smart, though. <laughs> so even with a safe, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to move these boats. But um, so that, this show was really fun. What were we talking about? We were talking about Range Riders. Yeah, so Vortex is really a, a pretty impressive company, too, For like I said, for the price point. I mean, they really, I, I don't know what happened, but those guys are, are extremely high quality for the uh, for, for their prices. So I'm looking forward to their, their range finders. Uh, that should be really, really interesting. That should be a good product. Is this the first time they've come out with range finders? No. So one thing with Vortex that I love is that they always make it something new, like like every single time. And what's even funnier about that is that I will actually sit here and re- run the same scope or the same range finder forever because I've never had an issue with it. And then they'll come out with like five or six models, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should get this one. Maybe I should upgrade, but yeah. my stuff works, so why should I upgrade it? You get so Scope I, Envy? Scope um, Envy. Yeah. Scope Envy? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. If I, I'm the king of uh, fixing it when it ain't broke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want something new. So, so, so uh, who, did you see anybody there? Was there anybody uh, interesting or you run into any friends? So uh, a lot of my friends um, who are actually even on like the almost the podcast side, the TV show side, Gun Stuff TV, my co-host uh, Scott uh, Keithner, he was walking around the show and he actually ran into like Chuck Liddell and um, Hickok 45 and just like everybody was there. So yeah. the, even with like words of protesting and stuff like that, it didn't really hinder a lot of people. That's interesting that Chuck Liddell, I don't think I knew that Chuck Liddell was a big gun guy. Did I? Did I know that? Yeah. yeah. He is. Chuck Liddell is actually a huge gun dude. And um, I actually met him uh, back in 2020 doing a Staccato event. So hmm. he's he's actually in the guns. There's more people that's, that are like, you know, in the guns, other, other gun owners that other people wouldn't even think about. So, like, a lot of uh, Hollywood is actually, like, also into firearms as well. You think he could take so, like, Chuck at this point? Hmm? Could you take Could you take Chuck at this point? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> part of me is like, I'll try it, but this is gonna hurt. Like, <laughs> I like your confidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just br- just bring the aspirin. <laughs> He's not yeah, that like far him. removed from from. I don't know when his last fight was. Maybe it was. I don't know if it was even ten years ago, but. I don't know. It's been it's been a little bit. Yeah. Well, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna take him that way, are you? I thought you were getting into a shooting match. <laughs> oh, oh no, the shoot like, shooting match. I got my money on Ursula. Oh man, I, th- oh, yeah. I think oh, yeah. I think Michael's trying to put you in the hospital. Like, <laughs> like, like not to sound cocky, but I'm pretty sure I could probably take him in a pistol match. But uh, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I mean, I mean, no offense, but that's what I was thinking because I know you could beat him. I don't even want to. You know what? I don't. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Just in case he's listening. Yeah. What if he comes down? It's Michael <laughs> Schwartz. 
1-800 Michael Schwartz for any punching complaints. We've got him. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Dave. Think about the it. <laughs> so what else did you like? What other fun did you have while you were there? So another uh, thing that I actually got to participate in, which was my first time doing, was um, the Second Amendment Concealed Carry um, uh, Fashion Show, which was put on by oh, cool. Amanda uh, Sovacall. Oh, sorry, Suffolk and yeah. uh, and also Charlie Cook, and it was it was so much fun. What was yeah. your What was your item? What was your? I had I had two, so every all the models got to walk uh, walk the catwalk twice, and uh, my first product was actually a little purse organizer by Packing Meat, and it was a it was actually a really cool idea for those women who are actually purse carriers and they just don't want to like. You know, either a buy a concealed carry purse, or they have multiple purses where they have to move stuff. You know, from purse to purse. So it's actually a little caddy setup, kind of like almost like those kitchen caddies, or the bathroom caddies that have like your sponge and your cleaning stuff in. It's almost no. like one of those, but with a gun. And those nice. are cool. And then the other product was a company uh, called uh, Zedira. I'm probably going to butcher that. Um, Z e n d i r a. And they have some high quality, high class purses that are uh, for seal. Actually, have uh, built in uh, little straps where you can actually do, let's just say, your appendix carrying and you want to put your holster in there, you can, like a clip versus a Velcro or even like a sticky holster style thing. So, being able to model uh, two things that um, I'm not 100% familiar with, even like purse carrying, I, I'm just awkward with purses anyway. So, I kind of felt like I was like, man, I'm gonna look like Mrs. Doubtfire on the stage, but I'm gonna do it. So, but it was, it was good. It was absolutely fun. Was that? Was it just for? Was it? Uh, was the fashion show all women, or did they have some some nope, dudes? Nope. There were some dudes in there. They were rocking um, multiple holsters. Uh, one of the biggest things that hit the stage that a lot of people uh, enjoyed that was a lot of the men were wearing were the uh, Filsters uh, Enigma that holster. And I'm not familiar. Is that the one where it's basically it's it's kind of independent? It's not attached to a belt or whatever. It's its own yeah. system. It's, it's its own system. The one that's actually like fits like on body on body. So like we had uh, two good models uh, that uh, modeled it. One he is known as the suited shooter. Uh, Nick, I'm trying. Or excuse me, Alex is his name. Awesome dude. He rocked the suit, and it, you can even tell. Like, nobody had any idea. And there was another guy, um, he was a dad, and he actually had, like, a dad bod going on who was rocking it, too. So, <laughs> All right, <laughs> Ursa, we got to keep her? Yeah. Hey, we got to keep you for another segment. You ready? Yeah, I'm in. All right, Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. <laughs> you just seen everybody jump when I yelled. <laughs> you guys are good. Everybody everybody went left, right, up, down, grabbing mics. Yeah. Hey, the show off air is always better than the show on air. We you're snap on. too. <laughs> hey, when you're looking for jewelry or fine watches, you need to go to San Diego's top jewelry shop. Leo Hamels, conveniently located in the heart of San Diego. Visit Leo's showroom at 1851 San Diego Avenue to see their hand-picked lines of new jewelry and watches. 
And when you buy from Leo Hamill, not only do you get the best deal, you are also supporting the Second Amendment. Support the companies that support the 2A. Call 619-299-1500 or you can visit their showroom at Sandy on San Diego Avenue and always get awesome service at Leo's. Call 619-299-1500 or stop by their showroom at 1851 San Diego Avenue, just off the I-5. We're talking to Ursula Williams. She was at the NRA annual convention, saw the big show, saw some really cool stuff, had a lot of fun, right? Yes, I had so much fun. Um, it was so funny because I actually, uh, I'm actually sit, still sitting in my hotel room. So as soon as I got to the elevator, I was just like, just hit that wall. Like, huh, mm. yep, I'm done. Mm. I am beat. Like, <laughs> being on the floor for three days is um, kind of taxing, especially since I didn't do SHOT Show this year. So I had, like, no warm-up. But, um, but other than that, the show was great. Did you, did you see any speeches, good. any performances? Uh, no, I did not. I was really busy on the floor. I did teach one, um, uh, conce- not concealed carry, excuse me, uh, situational awareness class. Mm. Um, that was one of those things that was offered to staccato owners. They decided to do basically like a little staccato-like university type of thing. So like, if you wanted to take any type of classes that we offered, either on-site or off-site, we were available. So I was one of the instructors. But I spent a lot of time in the booth um, doing a lot of our a lot of our stuff, as in, like, you know, chatting with people about guns and everything else and how to get started competition-wise into their areas. And, like, that was that was actually pretty awesome. And another reason why I like the NRA show over besides it's just so much fun and you're dealing with customers is that, man, there's a lot of companies that, you know, not really doing firearm sales, but they're selling everything else in the industry. So, like, you know, if you wanted any type of knife or you know, magazines or, you know, purses or cigars or whatever. Like, there's stuff like that for sale as well. It's like, going to, it's like going to the fair. I was going to say, it sounds yeah. like the gun shows we used to have. I, I was surprised uh, the first gun show I went to, how many other things were there yeah. aside from mm-hmm. guns. Now, did you oh, – yeah. what's what's one thing you're definitely going to buy as a result of seeing it at the at the uh, NRA show? Um, hmm. I actually – like, I mean, there's some things that I acquired. <laughs> and, uh one of the ones was a new koala bag from a, a bull bags. Hmm. So these are like little like thigh, you know, or better yet, you can actually configure it however way you want it. I configured mine into like a kind of a thigh bag, which I can basically, like a little thigh purse. That makes sense. Um, there are some people who configure it into like a backpack or a satchel or whatever they want. But setting it up as kind of like a little thigh rig was actually pretty cool. Therefore, I could put like, you know, stickers, patches, swag, whatever. Uh, my wallet, knife, and stuff in there as well. So and that was actually cool. And where do you? It's a. It's like a backpack, or where do you no, carry thigh? It? Oh, thigh. Okay. Uh, it's like you can configure it however the way you want it. Um, and there was actually two companies there with it, but I got mine from Bull Bag. Um, I'm just making sure that's the name of the company. <laughs> Before I like butchered it because I literally just got it now rolling on two hours ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was just a really cool thing, and it was like I was like I can I can rock this. This is awesome and it's great for like trade shows or any place where you have to have like your hands free, but you don't like wearing cargo pants. And it's a really good option, and you can actually throw a gun in it as well. Now that all sounds awesome, and I'm glad you had a good time. Was it, uh, you know, the horrible, the Rob Elementary, horrible, heinous 
um, incident that happened last week. How did that affect the show? Um, I, I don't think it did because I feel like um, all the companies that did show up actually mm-hmm. showed support more for the Second Amendment than the companies that chose not to support, which actually kind of portrayed, in my opinion, guilt as in they had something to do with it. And we all know it's not the gun, it's the person. See, and that's, that's an outstanding answer because I, I think I was reading that, um, was it Daniel Defense that pulled out of there? Yeah. Because it was so their Daniel gun. Defense and pulled out. <clears throat> if, I was Dan- if I was Daniel Defense, I would actually bought up as much space as I could just to prove that, yeah, this no, see, has that, nothing to do with us. And that was exactly the wrong thing, I thought, for them to do, just for exactly the yep. reason you mentioned. Because now that's they're tying that to themselves like they're for some reason they need to feel mm-hmm. guilty or something and i think i yeah. read in there too i think that's my exact gun <laughs> that i have yeah. so like am i supposed to assume some guilt now because this wacko you know used right. the same kind of gun that i had it's, it's awful i'm and, gonna call it pulling a disney yeah a disney, yeah yeah so when I you pull a disney everybody will know what 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 we're talking well, about because if we don't stick together as a gun right. community how do you expect other people to stand up for this kind of stuff right mm-hmm. that's really exactly. unusual of daniel defense i hadn't heard that they that they decided not to show i mean that they're usually um yep. extremely um, reliable it's extremely reliable and then on top of that they had like one of the biggest booth space there and um they basically end up taking up like in one entire wall and with them not being there, that's what my first thought. And I was like, hmm, they're showing guilt, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But also, my tinfoil head started sparking, and we, I'm pretty sure we want to go on that route <laughs> on the show. But, like, why would you feel guilty? And, like, I mean, like, I don't feel guilty drinking alcohol, even knowing that other people would drink and, you know, commit mm-hmm. DUI. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for driving, especially a red Kia Sportage <laughs> that that one cat drove through that that big crowd with during Christmas time mm. that all of a sudden just started to disappear from media. You know what I mean? So like, it's just one of the things like, like you cannot put individual, you can, I don't put this, you cannot punish a company for what they decide to do with your, their, with your product. So like, if I have this MacBook right here in front of me, if I decide to go bash somebody's brains out with it, you think Apple is going to be like, Oh, well, we need to stop making MacBook air because you know, people yep. are hurting people with it. No, they're not. They're going to continue making MacBook Airs. So I, 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 I saw. I saw a quote. I think just yesterday, someone said uh, it was uh, blaming the uh, the NRA for for mass shootings is like blaming uh, AAA for drunk driving, right? Which I thought yeah, was exactly. it, it's kind of, it kind of makes you chuckle at first, but it, it's actually it's a it's I thought it was a very very good comparison. It's a very good analogy, and uh, once um, people start to kind of like realize that hey we all need to stick together on this because i also feel like you know they're they're going to do as much they're going to keep doing this until we actually give up our guns so that's why showing support now is more important well we got to stand up in a a peaceful fashion whether you join an activist group or whether you write letters uh, or whether you make phone calls or you go to to, uh, board meetings and and what have you if you just sit back and expect somebody else to do it, there's a good chance you're going to get exactly what you wish for. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that we need to do and stuff that I've also personally been doing, I actually stopped. Uh, I haven't been an NRA member for years. Um, but what I have been a member of is my local organizations, local um, groups that actually does stuff on the local level. Because everything definitely needs to start there. And I'm a firm believer that charity starts in the house. 
So you got to start at home. That's right. Like San Diego County gun owners. Yep. Now, are you? I will be at prom. So there you go. I was about to say, are you coming to gun prom? I, I will be at gun prom. Nice. I already have my dress and heels picked out. <laughs> so do I. I have my dress and heels picked out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not going. <laughs> I'll come see you, Ursula. I am not going to come <laughs> see this guy. No, it'd be great. I want to see who's Ur- who Ursula's date is this year, too, because like last year, that guy looked like James Bond that she was with. <laughs> that was? Keep it a secret, Ursula. Don't tell him. No, don't tell Don't tell anybody who's my, my date? Okay. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Surprise him. Come in out of a helicopter, land in the front, you know, make an entrance. Yeah. Now, did I you- am- Really excited to be going again. That, well, we're excited to have you. It's going to be great to see you. I haven't, we haven't seen you in, a, in person in a long time. Do you, do, yeah. Now, going to the NRA show, has that, um, I don't know, what, what do you? how do you feel about the, the NRA? I, I haven't been a member. Well, I guess I have been a member. I, was, I, I think I skipped out a couple of years, but I just started sending them a check again. But uh, how do you feel about everything? You know, do, you went to the show and, you know, I don't know. Do you feel like things are changing? Do you think you'll become a member of the NRA again? Or Yeah, did you have any inter- interaction with anybody from NRA? No, I did not. Um, but one thing I did do was I did speak at the Arizona NRA conference back in March. And one of the biggest things they brought up was like they are like, hi, how come there are younger people are not joining NRA or getting into activism? I'm like, well, if you want my opinion, because I'm pretty sure you want it, that's why I'm here is that uh, people don't trust the NRA. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne Lockpierre and being all rich and stuff, all, and also not fighting hard, he's not doing, he keep moving the line. The NRA as a whole keep moving that line in the mm-hmm. sand. I'm like, if y'all going to do that, why am I giving y'all money? I'd what? rather give money to the guys that are actually like going to court, You know, the ones that are like um, legit fighting, the stuff that I see on the local level. I'd rather give them money mm-hmm. than NRA. Was there a response? Was he? Was there a response to what you said, or was he just collecting information? Oh no, they were. They were actually there were positive responses from that. That was uh, back in March. Yeah. So. Well, did they? It was. Uh, it was actually well, well received. Did they elect? Um, did they do elections? Do you know? If- I don't. Believe, I don't believe so. I was just curious. Who's running the ship? Yeah, I, 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 well, I heard, what I heard was, uh, and I've just read a little bit about this, was, uh, what's his name, uh, West, right? Alan, Her- yes, apparently Alan West was there. Um, I didn't see him. Um, I've just been I basically in the booth, on the floor, doing all the all the stuff. But um, In the I trenches. Did, yeah, that's, that's what I was doing. But um, hopefully we should hear something soon, actually. Whether or not it's Alan Alan West ended up taking it, yeah, um, I feel a little bit weird about him as well, only because uh, I believe it was his wife that was a uh, was charged with DUI, and he kind of pulled the whole like almost like do you know how who I am type of thing to get her out of it. Mm. Um, That's from my understanding. So I'm actually like I'm of- not a big fan either. I'm not a big fan yeah. of Alan West. I actually know somebody who is uh, part of the prosecution. Uh, team when he was in the army and it, it, what he did it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. Let's Let me put Ursula it. Williams in there. I would in a heartbeat. In I'm a serious. Heartbeat. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, somebody young like her with with enthusiasm and she can actually shoot straight. <laughs> in, 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 in in more ways than one. And in more ways than once. All right, hey kid, it's always good chatting with you. 
Likewise, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Can't wait. Folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. So people are clamoring for more gun control because a criminal used a gun to murder 22 innocents. But a hero also used a gun to stop a murderer from doing more harm. More after this. Folks, do you ever wish cleaning your gun was easier? Clean, lube, and protect your guns with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. Clean your guns easier and faster. You'll also smell better, too. Something that wives will appreciate. One and done with Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop, or you can get some on their website, sealone.com. That's seal, the number one, dot com. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're um, having a, a very special guest. You know, we had a horrible, heinous uh, incident in Texas last week, and uh, it's provoked a lot of people to give a lot of uh, responses. But one that I found particularly interesting was by um, a lady named Haley. I hope I said that right. She better be on, so I'll ask her. Um, Haley uh, is a friend of a friend, and she's the victim of domestic violence and is extremely pro-gun and had was, was very outspoken and had something uh, very serious to say about, uh, about gun ownership and blaming the gun. Um, she said, guns are not the problem. We have a serious mental health problem. Joe, which is who her attacker was, had two felonies, two protection orders, and an ankle monitor. By law, he legally was not allowed to own or carry a firearm or consume drugs or alcohol. And guess what? He committed suicide with a gun that he stole from his from his brother. Um, even when there are laws, criminals will find a way around. Uh, criminals and people in mental uh, in, in, in a mental place of wanting to shoot people are so obsessive uh, that they'll do anything. Haley, are you there? Yeah, hello. How goes it? Good. Did I say your name? Is it Haley or Hallie? Haley. Haley, like I'm so comment. sorry. Okay. Yeah. Haley likes the comment. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show and, and talking about something so serious. I very much appreciate it. Oh, yeah, not a problem. Um, I'm glad we got to connect, and, and thank you, Nitsa. <laughs> so. Yeah, thanks, Nitsa. Nitsa's the person that connected us. So what prompted you to post that? I just let, read a little bit of a blurb from from what you posted on your uh, on on, a so, on your social media what what prompted you to do that why did you um post what you posted um i think that it's become a trend to obsess over these certain topics and try to figure out how to fix them um i think everyone brings like good opinions to the table and um i can definitely see why people would feel like guns are the problem um however I think a lot of the people that feel that way are ones that haven't really actually firsthand experienced gun violence. Um, they see it happening and they think that this is the way to get it to stop. Um, but when you kind of step back and you become a victim or you're part of the system um, and you see these problems and experience them firsthand, um, you understand that guns really aren't the problem. You you see that more so it's the mental instability that our country really, really like lives and breathes off of. Um, and that's kind of what prompted me to, to post that. I had seen 
so many posts. I mean, you know, you scroll social media, you see so many different posts um, with so many opinions from, again, and I don't know everyone, but I know, you know, even friends of mine on social media will post things. And I know for a fact they haven't been victim to gun violence. And they come up with these, these strategies and these ideas. And I know everyone has it in their heart to get these things to stop. But I think we're completely looking at it from a wrong angle. And um, with my personal, um, I've actually in the last like year and a half, I've had a few um, instances where um, I've been victim to gun violence and, um, and I actually wasn't hurt by the gun. I was hurt by the person with that. Um, So that's just kind of where that came from. And um, it's something that hit home for me almost because until we can really truly understand what the problem is, we can't fix the symptom of shootings. You know, shootings are, are, are a symptom of a huge problem, and the problem needs to be fixed for these things to go away, not not taking away the symptom, not covering it with a Band-Aid, not, you know, taking Tylenol to kill the fever, you know. Um, you have to come and, you know, go to the source, I guess you could say. So that's just kind of where where that hit home for me, I guess you could say. So do you think this massacre, and I'm going to call it that because it's such a horrendous do you think it's going to be the tipping of the tide to actually see some change, or is this gonna, are we just going to run this out two or three weeks, four weeks, and then move on? Um, that's really hard to say, just because I feel like social media and there's a lot of big movements going on right yeah. now, so it's hard to tell which ones are trends versus which ones people are sincere about. Um, I think people have sincerity and when it happens and something like I, I've even told my own therapist, I've had to go to some trauma therapy for my um, experience. And um, I've even told my therapist, it's like kind of like something happens and the world moves on and then the victims don't, you know, right. and that's kind of something that you see even just like on social media, things will happen and then they'll be obsessed with for a week, you know, and then, mm-hmm two weeks later we're on to the next thing and nothing's been done about the first thing. And it's just this cycle. It's like a toxic cycle that our country is in. And um, again, and I truly feel like until we get to the bottom problem, the source of the problem, which is the mental instability people carry day to day. And I know even functional people that are just mentally like losing it because life's freaking stressful. Right. And I get it. And I don't think anyone should be blamed for that. Um, But instead of putting energy into these systems to, to, take away guns from people who like me could benefit from them. There's a lot of people that could benefit from them. Um, taking my right away because someone else messed up. We got to stop playing that game. You know, like we need to start holding these people accountable. And that means if you are not mentally stable, you need to go and get help. And we need to, to encourage that and support people in that. And that's where I think, a lot of this gun reform and shooting reform is going to kind of come from is if we can step back and look at the bigger picture. That's interesting. And you're not particularly, I was looking at your, your, your social media, you're not particularly vocal about political issues, you know, um, and, but this really, this really got to you, I guess. This is something that, that you really wanted to make a point about. Yeah, you know, um, so I'll be, I'm like pretty transparent about everything. I have pretty severe PTSD from like what I went through and um, I'm happy to elaborate on anything, but um, I have been in therapy and I, and I feel like I've kind of become a little bit more emotional about the topic, you know, in the last couple of months, especially because of everything going on. Um, And I've also learned that I am more emotional about it than I thought I was like a year ago, you know, 
Um, so I think it just came from a place of um, almost like a personal place, you know, of speaking up and saying, like, yo, we got people with mental health problems. And, like, even myself, I'm, I have PTSD, you know, and it's not a problem. I shouldn't say problem. Um, but, like, I could, I know if I didn't have, like, emotional intelligence or if I wasn't in therapy and with what I went through, I know and I could see where someone would go crazy in life and, like, go and, you know, do something that they wouldn't regret. But that's why I, you know, if you have a good support system like I do and you have good therapy like I do and you can have good resources to help you, it can help people through that. But, again, until we do those things and help those people, um, you know, even even the guy that attacked me, my kid's dad attacked me, um, he was so mentally unstable. I watched him crawling around on the ground and, and saying he was possessed by the devil. Like, he was very, very, very mentally unstable. And I felt bad, you know, and, and um, I saw him deteriorate. We, um, he's the father of my kid. We dated for two years. Um, great. Things were great for six months. And then I slowly started seeing him deteriorate through COVID. And um, that's really, you know, the guy I met the first six months would never go and hold me hostage and torture me and kill himself, you know. But the guy, you know, after dealing with a lot of mental health problems and not having the resources that he needed, um, and, and he tried. He really tried. He was in an inpatient facility, and um, unfortunately, they, insurance only covers 10 days of inpatient facility, and after that, it's $2,000 a day for well, treatment. And it definitely seems like, you know, there is a you know mental health system problem in, in America. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of support. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of solutions um, when people do have some are going through some kind of crisis. Um, there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, if there's an emergency, if, 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 if your house is burning down, you know what to do. You call 911. Right. You know, if someone's right. having a mental crisis, but there used you to don't be, really know what to do. But there used to be mental hospitals all over the country. Big ones. Well, and, and, and there's no, it doesn't appear to be much of a relationship between the mental health solutions and law enforcement. You know, well, they have no place, to, but they don't have any place to send them. That's the which key. is another. It's an enormous problem, and the anti-gun side, um, you know, the Brady Organization and the Moms Demand Action folks are capitalizing on this. Sure. They're they're exploiting it really um, by saying, "Hey, look, you know, the only solution is is the, uh, you know, to this problem just happens to be what we've been advocating for 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 years and years and years." So they try to tie it to. Uh, you know the graves of these 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 poor innocent people, and, th- and then they say, "Hey, gee, we do. You know, this keeps happening. This keeps happening. Yeah, it keeps happening because we're not implementing true solutions. The one thing that that is that is uh, common, the one common trait with with all these uh, horrible incidences, there's there's clear there was clearly uh, signals of, of of you know mental health problems in every single one." And still, they're using this as the opportunity to do what they've been trying to do, which is ban guns. Which you know, what they're trying to do. The AR-15 uh, platform is is uh, you know they're trying to ban that rather than actually fix the problem. Right. And I, I think it was uh, Haley really brave of you to to stand up and say, hey, you know what? Here's here's my life and my experiences, and uh, you know here's why I believe that 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 their proposed solution is wrong. And I appreciate you saying that. She'd be a cool gun problem guest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> She's in Colorado. Uh, You're in Colorado? Yeah, Next I'm year. Colorado. Next year, we'll Next hook you year. up, bring you out. Come on, San Diego. How bad could that be? Oh, I'm game. I get to see Nitsa, too. Hi, Nitsa. Let's see. There you go. All right. Well, hey, it was, it was wonderful talking to you. 
Yeah, you are, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Very inspirational. And um, oh. thanks, yep. Haley. That's awesome it. Job. Yeah, yeah. Have a top good one. top yeah. of the hour. All right, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six. AM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you know, a lot of companies are frustrated with their website. It looks old. It's hard to update. It's not generating any leads. Well, guess what? I have an answer. SageTree gets it. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being embarrassed by your website and get one that you're proud to own. Contact SageTree today to get a website that makes the phone ring. Getting started is super easy. Go to sagetree.com and schedule a call. Again, go to sagetree.com, press that schedule a call button, and be ready. Hey, Joe, what do you got? We've got a time for questions today. Um, really? Just to, to follow the thread that we've been on here. Um, yeah, with the shooting in Texas, I, I, I hate to write about this stuff, and I, and I really didn't want to, and I, and, and I actually didn't write about the event. Um, just out of respect for the people that are involved in it. But, I, you know, I just um, I had to respond to this because um, it's just the same stuff. It's just infuriating, and I'm just I'm sick to death of how we respond to these things as a society. And, um, you know, and it goes on and on and on, and, and we won't address the problem. So, you know, I, I thought I, I'd heard uh, when the president came on, and, um, you know, I think he got a minute and a half into his uh, – his address to the nation and you know and that's when he brought up the gun control like a minute into it and you know he asked a couple of questions you know he said as a nation um we have to ask when in god's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby right and then when in god's name are we going to do what we all know uh, our gut needs to and our gut needs to be to done do. yeah. yeah so you know listening to this crap it's like uh well i got some questions for you too joe you know because mm-hmm. um we don't, that's the problem. And we don't ask these questions and you know, the Democrats are the left and I'm, I'm sick to death of pulling punches on this crap too. It's like, you know, they all, they respond exactly the same way. They're laser focused. And as soon as there's a shooting, they're ready to go and it's gun control, gun control, gun control. And the Republicans are worse or almost as bad anyway. And the same thing, nobody stands up, nobody asks the right questions. Um, you know, even the ones that, 
like Dan uh, Crenshaw, I just uh, heard today, uh, you know, Crenshaw is asking, uh, he says, I don't understand how somebody's not going to get fired for this law enforcement, um, you know, thing. And yeah, granted they, yeah, they made some terrible decisions. Mm -hmm. We don't learn anything. I thought we learned that with Columbine that, you know, you go in when, when there's people in there shooting, you go in, you don't wait for this guy. You don't wait for that mm -hmm. guy. You go in with what you got and you do what you can do. Um, but again, he's asking that question. You know, my question back to Crenshaw is, you know, when are we going to fire him? When are we going to take yeah. some of these um, these politicians who will not ask the right questions? And, you know, and it's not like they don't know. It's it's they're politically they're cowards is what it is. And, um, you know, the right question would be like we um, what did I hear? They're uh, they're um, working a bipartisan effort here to uh, to work on a solution, to discuss uh, what they need to do. That's because Mitch McConnell and, told them to. Well, exactly. And it's not a bipartisan anything. What it is is the Democrats are proposing gun control. And what the Republicans are going to do is, you know, they're going to – they're, they're going to allow the Democrats to end up, you know, to get 99.5% or whatever it is they're demanding this time. The Republicans will get them to concede on 0.5%. Uh, and then the Republicans are going to declare a victory. And, well, we worked, and they'll, they'll be used as political props. Here, it's a bipartisan effort. And none of them address the issue. So what I wrote about uh, this week on, um, on Get a Grip is, um, you know, I, hey, some questions. If we're going to do this, let, let's ask some real questions. Because the reality, you know, you have to start with what's real. And the reality is this is not going to stop. It is absolutely impossible to stop these shootings. It's, it's not going to stop. So what you want to start looking at is, okay, do we have to have, why do we have to have 22 deaths? Why can we not have one or two deaths and stop it? And, you know, one of the first questions um, that you need to ask is when are we going to um, do away with these gun-free zones? Because these gun-free zones are what are killing people. And, you know, none of these politicians, if you want a bipartisan effort, let's see, okay, how does that look? How do we... Um, do away with these uh, gun-free zones. The only politician I've heard say that was President Trump. That's the only guy that I've heard uh, come up with that. And um, again, other questions, if we really wanted to attack this, and we talked about some of this, you know, this decades-long attack on the family unit um, in this country, you know, and how is that impacting kids? Because we're creating these monsters. This isn't you know, this isn't something that, oh, it's just happening. We're creating these people in this in this country, in this society. And it's not like other places don't have that. You know, there was another, um, what is that? If, boy, if we had a ministry of misinformation, they could have uh, stopped Biden from saying those things. But, you know, he said, and this was an old Obama thing that he pulled out, that no other country in the world has these things. Of course they do. And, um, you know, we're pretty far down the list, actually, if you want to look at that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, how are we, the things that we're doing in this society that are creating these people, we have some segments of our society where over 70% of the kids are born out of wedlock. So, okay, what impact is that having on these kids? This continuous attack on faith-based things, religions of all sorts have been attacked in this country. Um, you know, not to get into the abortion thing, but you have political leaders saying that, oh, that should be okay right up to uh, birth, basically. And, um, you know, what impact is that having on people in this country, on kids? When you have, um, you know, kids that are, uh, our first response seems to be to drug kids at the first um, behavioral challenge that you see when they're little. And, and these guys have absolutely no idea how those drugs um, affect a developing mind or a child. They just don't know. And after, um, 
I don't know. After uh, what I've seen the last two years with the COVID stuff, I don't know that I'd trust them anyway if they said they knew. But, you know, if you want to ask some real questions, let's look at that kind of stuff. Let's ask some real questions. And, um, you know, those are con the kinds of things. If you want to ask some real questions and work in a bipartisan effort, okay, what does uh, national reciprocity look like? You know, what does constitutional carry across the, um, the country look like? Because really, if you don't let these people, if you don't give these people in these schools and other public places the ability to defend themselves, then you're always going to have this carnage and, you know, you cannot depend on the police. I mean, you know, granted, this time it was, it was a kind of a bad response from the police, but even and a good response, because most police officers want to do the right thing. They're in it for the right reason and put in the situation. They'll do the right thing or they'll try to. But again, you got to remember, you know, police are called after the first shot. So somebody's already been shot or is getting shot when they're called. And even a phenomenal response time of three minutes or something you know three minutes seems quick but if you're trapped in a room with a shooter three minutes is probably an eternity and um so you know we need to be asking the right questions i think if we really want to solve it which i i don't i that's what's infuriating i guess as a society i don't see that we want to solve it i mean the the, the gun control people absolutely don't want to solve it they want to use it as a political thing the conservatives or Republicans don't seem to have the political courage to do the things that they need to do to address the problems and solve anything. So, I, like I said, I, I hate to write about this kind of stuff, but I, I feared I had to say something. And, uh, and I was validated because I saw a number of the gun writers that I respect and I like uh, pretty much brought up the same kind of thing after I wrote mine. So, so I was um, happy that I did the right thing here. But, I mean, if we don't start asking the right questions... And if we don't start, you know, deciding that, okay, we really need to address this and we seriously want to address it, then we're not ever going to. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the gist of what I, uh, one, one, of, one of their other little tricks that I'm noticing the anti-gun folks, and I've been noticing for a while is that they keep talking about mass shootings. Well, if you talk about mass shootings, then of course you're, you're really only talking about guns, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but the rest of the world has a mass murder problem. Murder. Not according it's, to them. You're not you're not morally superior if you use a different type of weapon to kill somebody. That's right. So Australia Australia banned pretty much all guns since uh, 1996, and uh, they've had uh, something like 36 mass murders since then. Yeah. Some some involving guns, some not. Well, and you could look at Great Britain and London. Your chances of being stabbed in Great Britain are pretty good nowadays. Ouch. All right, folks, don't touch that dial. Light overheat with David Yamani right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. answer. Hey, stole your thunder. Good old stereo action. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. So here to shed here to shed some light and heat is um, light and heat light overheat. Here to shed some light overheat is uh, <laughs> Professor David Yamani. It's not that easy. <laughs> hey, do you have do you know we have a world class training school in San Diego, Flight Training International. Action Jackson maybe go fly him. He's going to teach him how to fly. Pilots can fly almost every day. We're close to the ocean, desert, and have mountains, unbelievable views, and the international border. 
and a major military base. That's why San Diego is one of the best places to learn how to fly in the world. Learn to fly in the heart of San Diego, right at Montgomery Field. Getting started is super easy. Give them a call, 858-569-1822, or learn to fly with SDFTI, 858-569-1822. All right, our next guest is Professor David Yamani. He's from Wake Forest University. He's the author of Gun Culture 2.0. Um, he's an observer of gun culture, not a policy analyst. Um, so he tends to steer away from policy in general, which is really the, uh, uh, the the culture part of it is extremely educational as we talk more and more about policy. Um, I think one should be based on the other, and uh, uh, both are extremely important to understand. Well, last time we had him on, he was extremely fascinating. Happy to have you back, Professor. How are you, sir? Gentlemen, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back. I uh, know... Memorial Day weekend must be a tough time to get guests, so I'm happy to be here. No, not at all. We you know we were happy. Uh, we were stoked to have you on. Uh, really, really, uh, I'm happy. To, I was I, one of the most talked about um, guests. You were just on what, maybe a month or two ago, and I have been talking about you nonstop. I'm really fascinated by your work. I've read a lot more about you, and I, I can't wait to uh, to have you on a lot more often. Now, the topic for today is the importance of intellectual diversity in having conversations across ideological lines. Now, of course, unfortunately, this past week we had something horrific happen in Texas, which sparked yeah. a lot of. I'm going to call them conversations. I'm I'm willing to bet that they aren't aren't they're they're devolving from conversation into you know, shouting match, name-calling arguments. So I think that this is a really timely yeah. uh, topic, unfortunately. You know, yeah, it's, it's in a sense, it's the worst of times and the best of times to have these kind of conversations. It's the worst of times because it's so emotional. Uh, but it's the best of times because people who are not already kind of committed one way or the other are really looking, looking for answers. So, you know, I, I saw on Friday at the NRA meeting, you know, you have at the, the convention center there on the inside, you're having the ILA leadership forum. Then you've got the road. And then on the, in the park on the other side, you've got the protest. And, you know, I think to me, that's symbolic of the, the, the challenge of having these conversations at this time. But I'm sure like you, you know, you've got people constantly pulling you aside at dinner and just in, you know, text message chats, just, trying to figure out what what can we do yeah, truly i honestly i think the 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 you know and usually people are when they approach me and they know what i do for a living and you know they're fairly reasonable you know like hey you know i don't really know you know can we talk about this or whatever i don't have answers and what do you think and you know this that and the other thing it's the reporters the journalists that that contact me their questions are atrocious <laughs> It's, it's, you know, I don't know, maybe that's not a surprise to people, but I, I find that the people who approach me are relatively uh, reasonable, I guess. Yeah. And I, you know, I get the, a lot of calls when any, or anything bad happens with mm -hmm. guns. That's really the only time guns are, are newsworthy. And, uh, you know, I do find myself sort of having to hold firm to the point that I want to make, which is typically it's more complicated than you're suggesting. And, you know, most of the times I'm, I'm quoted in the media, it's sort of a somewhat dissenting voice, you know, in a prepackaged 
narrative, but I feel like it's important for you know, those of us who the media are willing to call to have our voice represented, you know, at least to some extent. There was a piece in Rolling Stone just the other day about the gun industry and its profits recently. And, you know, I had a little bit in there, but I was able to, you know, say it's not as simple as you sell guns, make money, and people kill other people. And, you know, for me, that's enough. It's not huge, but that's a little bit of light, you know, and that's that's something that I, I think that, again, those, not everybody is on media call list, but if you are, you know, I, I, I really appreciate people taking the opportunity to complexify things. So what, what is, describe or tell us what exactly, what is intellectual diversity? What does that mean to you? Or what do you mean by yeah, that? I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's part of lots of different kinds of diversities, you know, with people coming from different cultural backgrounds, different social backgrounds, you know, geographic. I've in the past talked about differences between people who are urban and people who are rural. Um, but, you know, intellectual diversity, just the people who think differently. And, you know, as someone who spent the majority of my life in very bright blue bubbles, as we talked about before, um, you know, those places are not very intellectually diverse. Uh, And it wasn't really until I got involved in gun culture, kind of both personally and as a scholar, that I encountered people who came from very different backgrounds and who just thought differently, you know. It's, I wouldn't say gun culture is a bright red bubble, but it's more red than, you know, the sociology bubble that I, I come from. And that really challenges you to take what you think you know about how the world works and look at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't share your background. You know, maybe they served in the military. Maybe they were in law enforcement. They might have grown up in a rural area. Maybe they didn't go to graduate school. Uh, you know, and all of those life experiences really can be brought to bear on one's own thinking in order to kind of expand our understanding. And I, I find myself working between these two worlds uh, and really coming to see things in a different way. And it doesn't always mean I completely change my mind, but it does force me to move beyond my own assumptions about how things work. Well, what, what's the danger of people uh, being in a bubble and staying there too long? What happens to the people in the bubble? It, uh, just, it, it just reinforces what you think that you already know. And I think it gives you, uh, you, you become more and more convinced of the rightness of your beliefs, you know, that, uh, and that kind of can lead to fundamentalism. You know, fundamentalism is a, a position, you know, we talk about it typically in terms of religion, but a, sort of any belief could be adhered to as a sort of fundamentalism if you think that there is no possible way that what you believe could be wrong. Uh, and, you know, that I think feeds on itself. And this is some of what we see, and I think we're learning more and more about how social media algorithms, you know, feed us things that reinforce what we believe and also select for things that are likely to stir us up emotionally. Uh, and, you know, I think that leads to, you know, heat over light. And, and I, I, that's a, being in that bubble, we're not just talking about I, – my fear is that there are a lot of listeners who are hearing you say that and are you know, thinking that we're only talking about people that are in anti-gun bubbles. I, I think that it's dangerous to be in any bubble, and it is dangerous to be – uh, you know, ha- have that that lack of of uh, intellectual diversity 
and have no exposure to people that don't have a uh, you know a differing opinion because then you become you know convinced that you know you're completely right and that other people are stupid and and, and the uh, the other danger seems to be that if you when you if you if you automatically pass people off who who aren't in your bubble as as being stupid it, it I've noticed anecdotally anyway that 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 tends to make people uh, you know, even more, even more, you know, that bubble gets even thicker. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it's again, not about saying all ideas are relative or all values are relative, or there's no such thing as truth. You know, this is, it's not that kind of cultural relativism, but it's more, in, I think, an intellectual humility, you know, where uh, I remember John Meacham gave the commencement address at Wake Forest one year, and he said that, reason requires you to accept that you may be wrong right now you may end up not being wrong but to rationally process what you believe you know, requires you to at least have a moment and say is what i believe correct uh and you know next week's video on light overheat you know this week i talked about how i was you know, talking about race and guns and gun culture and what happened in buffalo and i got some really good insights from people who commented on that and said, hey, you need to look at this in some other ways. And that really helped me. Next week, I'm going to talk about a, an essay I wrote uh, for an academic journal in which I give a, a pretty strong uh, argument for why guns are normal and why normal people use guns uh, and explaining the gun culture 2.0 concept. And one of the peer reviewers who completely disagrees with me on these issues you know, still was able to push me to see what I was writing about in a more complex way, right? So, you know, I, I'm sometimes learning from people who are more within gun culture and are pro-gun. I'm sometimes learning from people who are outside gun culture and are more anti-gun. Uh, but in either case, that intellectual diversity helps me to understand the world in a much more complex way. And really, guns are this multi- faceted complex reality in American society, but we're all often just trying to force that reality into a unidimensional box. And, you know, that's just not how things are. That's, again, why I think mass shootings are a particularly bad time to be talking about guns, because that's when people want to shove guns in a box, a simplistic box, more than any time. All, all sides, not just, you know, our side, their side, everybody kind of you know, we, we immediately start, you know, building up, uh, you know, filling the sandbags and, and, and building it up. And I, I don't want people to believe, you know, I'm not saying that we should accept the other side or change your views. But I think that it helps if, if you can understand the other side and understand, you know, why it's complex for them, you know, where they're coming from. It will make you a better advocate. Do, is that yeah. is that an unreasonable thing to, yeah. to, to say or expect? No, and I think the other thing is, to your point, that it's not just two sides, that you have a huge number of people who are not bought in one way or the other to being either strongly pro-rights or strongly pro-control, but the visceral reaction to 19 children being killed makes them see certain solutions as being very desirable right right and so this is a particular moment when you know slamming the the shoe on the table and sh and shouting is not going to bring them away from that 
you know, and hey, I think that's again where. Hey, prof- professor, can you hang in there with us and stick with us for one more segment? Absolutely. All right. Professor David Yamani from Wake Forest University is going to stick with us. Do not touch that dial right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Ah. Folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. slash Alpine. Hey, if you're looking to buy, refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. They make it easy. Work with a friendly expert team with a help you get the best deal on a mortgage. Call Chris Wiley, 619-722-1303, or just go to primeres.com slash Alpine. All right, we're talking to Professor David Yamani. We're talking about uh, intellectual diversity, and we were just talking about – so let's talk about the advantages. Why would any – if you're a listener, you're probably pro-Second Amendment. You're probably – an advocate, um, you know, what's in it for them, Professor? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the the benefit is to try to bring some of these sort of undecided folks over to your side. Um, you know, again, I think about the scene that took place in Houston, you know, one gun control group on the lawn, you know, pro-gun people inside the convention center. But there are people who are traveling on that road in between, and they're kind of trying to understand, you know, which which side is more appealing to me. Uh, and, you know, an angry shouting uh, is not going to pull people who are undecided or trying to figure it out you know, over to your side. And, and that works both ways. You know, hearing, you know, Beto O'Rourke shouting at a you know press conference isn't going to be convincing to people who aren't already bought into that either. So, uh, you know, I think that this is, you know, it's important to rally the base. Obviously, the NRA-ILA leadership forum is to rally the base. And if you're standing outside the convention center having an anti-gun rally, you're trying to rally the base. But other people see that. You know, those things aren't happening in sort of hermetically sealed containers. So, you know, I'm always mindful when I'm speaking about guns to, you know, how how will what I say be perceived? Is there anything that I could, you know, say that would be more welcoming as opposed to more off-putting? So what advice do you have for somebody that's, um, you know, talking to somebody that they, that, you know, they vehemently disagree yeah, I mean, if, I think if you vehemently disagree with someone, that that may be a different story, you know. But I do think that if you approach those interactions with this kind of humility and really trying to understand, you know, what is making this other person, you know, think, uh, again, you know, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Uh, that, you know, even if you don't convince that person, if you can kind of stand in that person's shoes and understand why what they're saying makes sense, Maybe when you go to the next person who's less committed, you know, you can, you know, work a little bit better to craft an argument that addresses 
the the real concerns they have. You know, and this is one again one of the things I hate about talking about policy during these times uh, is that no one wants to accept that the uh, other side has legitimate reasons for wanting to solve a particular yeah. problem in a particular way. Uh, and you know, I, I see like garbage about you know people you know care more about their guns than about children right or guns have more rights than children and you know that's that's just offensive uh and you know that stirs the base uh but it doesn't do anything to improve our ability to talk about these issues uh and it's certainly you know someone who's in the middle i doubt is going to be very moved by that kind of argumentation now, now, Tony Simon says, you know, go 60%, right? Instead of meeting people halfway, you know, go 60%, right? At least, you know, in that case, uh, you know, people can't accuse you of not trying. Now, your your world is the is sociology. And what what how did that it sounds like you were they reached out to you after the the Buffalo thing, uh, the Buffalo incident. Um, what why was that why were why were they reaching out to a sociologist? Uh, well, I think I'm known as someone who has been studying gun culture for a long time and who attempts to understand gun culture from the inside out. You know, that there are plenty of people who specialize in gun control policy or public health research on gun violence, but there are really very few people who are social scientists who are trying to understand gun culture on its own terms. Uh, and, you know, I think that I, I'm known as, you know, a person who's done that, who if someone wants to know why are people so attached to guns or what motivates people to own guns, right, that I can honestly shed light on, on that issue based on my 10 years of wandering around gun culture. Well, you know, the, the thing that bothers me about that is, you know, so in the last month or so, I forget the exact timing, you had somebody in Buffalo, some somebody was motivated by, by race, um, seemingly, probably had, you know, probably off, probably had some mental issues, but what was seemingly motivated by race, you had somebody in uh, Southern California who was motivated by um, politics, and then you had somebody in uh, Texas who who knows what they were motivated by, but it seems like they were, they had some mental health issues as well. None of mm. these three people would, you know, I, I'm as deep in gun culture as you can get. I, I, I think I'm surrounded. I'm, I'm pr- I try not to be, but I'm in, I'm in the, the gun you know, bubble. I, everybody I know owns a gun, talks about guns, the, uh, you know, advocates for, for, for gun. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm as deep as you can get. Nobody I know would consider any of those three people a part of gun culture. Um, you know what I mean? Is, am I am I delusional, or, or or what are your thoughts on that? No, I mean I I would uh, agree for the most part. I mean I think we don't really know a lot about you know the deep background of most of these people, and so you know it's possible that they are part of gun culture, uh, and that they also happen to do these heinous things. Um, but this comes up quite a lot in our academic discussions, which is, you know, I define gun, gun culture as, you know, kind of being composed of people who are lawful civilian gun owners, right? This is the kind of core of the people who constitute gun culture. 
but there are certainly criminal gun cultures in the United States. You know, if we look at you know, people who are involved in, in gun trafficking and in a lot of the gang-related uh, inner-city violence. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I treat that as basically a separate group because they don't, you know, they may be influenced by some of what they see in gun culture, you know, their attraction to clock pistols, for example. Um, but I don't think that they are a routine part of the gun culture that that you experience and live in and that I spend most of my time studying. So, yeah, I think that's a distinction that is important to make. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen in groups, you know, we have monthly meetings. Um we actually have three every month in different parts of the county, and then I've been in, in other counties where they have their monthly meetings. I've been in a lot of monthly meetings over the years. And I've actually seen people, uh, you know, who are new, they attend a, a monthly meeting and they, you know, kind of push out this bravado or, or, or whatever. You know, they're big, bad gun owner, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I've, I've seen them kind of be rejected by the group. Because that's not that's not us. That's not what we're about. You know, that's we're about responsible gun ownership. We're not about, you know, um, uh, doing it. We, we know nobody. None of us want to hurt anybody. You know, that's not the whole point. It's it's complete opposite point of what gun culture is about. So, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. So, what's a call to action here? What do we? What, what do you recommend? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, for me. And again, this is probably excessively born out of my own experience of having, you know, moved, you know, from one world into another and now sort of regularly traveling back and forth. But it's, you know, just take advantage. You know, I don't know that people have the ability to seek out opportunities, but if you find opportunities to talk to people who see things differently than you, that really take advantage of those opportunities to talk uh, and, you know, maybe try not to do it again at these worst possible moments. Right? don't wait for there to be, a, a, you know, some mass homicide in an elementary school to talk to, to people. But you know, I think we always have the ability to be ambassadors and to strike up conversations. Again, if you, even if you don't convince the person that you're talking to and maybe going in with an attitude of trying to convince someone maybe can become an impediment Go into a conversation to try to understand someone, why they might see things differently than you and use that as a basis to kind of formulate uh, ways of relating to that person uh, that, you know, could either, you know, not bring them to your side, but maybe softens their views some, you know, maybe makes them have to rethink their stereotypical understanding of what a gun owner looks like or sounds like. So I feel like every, every interaction I have, and I feel this is an obligation, not just as a reality, but you know, every interaction that I have, uh, because I'm sort of publicly associated with guns, is going to reflect on gun owners more broadly. And maybe that's not fair, but that's, that's the reality. So if you're known as a gun person in your neighborhood or your community or your club or wherever, you know, whatever you do and say is going to reflect on other gun owners. It's, it's enormously tempting for people to give their opinions when, you know what I mean? Like one or two questions into a, a discussion, it's extremely tempting for, for especially when, when, you know, gun advocates tend to really truly know, you know, what they're talking about. They've thought a lot about their ideas. They've researched their ideas and know how to, how to, how to, know how to say the right words. And I think it's extremely tempting for people to just boom, just lead with that. 
when maybe they should, I don't know, maybe we should have like a 12 question rule, professor. Like, you know, don't give your opinion until you've asked the other, you know, person 12 questions or something like that. I don't know. Just like, like a rule of yeah. thumb, you know? Yeah. And, you know, not, not every comment needs to be responded to. So yeah. you know, I'm here with family in California and San Francisco Bay Area. And yeah, I don't think they're super anti-gun. They may be some of these people more in the middle. But, you know, someone drops a thing of, you know, when the Second Amendment was written, people used muskets. And I don't, there's no response to that. I don't need to respond to that in that moment. So I just let it hang there. All right, Thank you, Professor. Awesome Thanks job. a lot, man. That was awesome. Always enjoy your uh, your interview. Have a wonderful uh, Memorial Day tomorrow. You too, guys. I look forward to doing it again. Super. All right, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we live in a time where the mainstream media and politicians are trying to eliminate your ability to defend yourself. Well, gun control laws don't, gun control laws don't work. Think about it. Criminals do not obey the law. Gun control laws just make it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and their loved ones. Making good guys helpless doesn't make bad guys harmless. Help us restore and defend the Second Amendment. Hit the like and subscribe button and share this show with all your friends. All right. Time for everybody's favorite segment. Yeah. Stomp my nephew. He's here. The one and only Sam the Gunman. How you doing, man? Uh-oh. Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys doing? Oh, there we go. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us on uh, Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate yeah. you taking time out of your schedule. Yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. There you go. All right. So if you send us a, a question, uh, a, a gun trivia question, and we use it on the radio, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. If you stump my nephew, we'll give you something something special. I think today if if, uh, if they stump my, uh, my nephew, we're going to give him a couple of tickets to gun prom. Cool. June 18th, gun prom. If you want to go to gun prom, it's uh, $99 for a ticket. Um, you can also sponsor a table. Or you could stump Sam. Or yeah. you could stump Sam. Yeah. Go to gunprom.com. G-U-N-P-R-O-M.com. So before we ask the question, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. You're not a real big Glock fan. Um, I'm, I'm kind of agnostic. I mean, I, yeah. I carry a Glock. They're all right. Some okay. people don't like them. That's fine. Well, the question is about a Glock, so I'm thinking... It's Glock-centric. It's Glock-centric, and I'm thinking, oh, he's not a real Glock fan. How much could he possibly know? Oh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> hey, Jackson, you want to read the question? Sure. It's, it's in Greek. All right. All right. I knew you could do it. I got confidence. Right, you see where it is? Can okay, you see who sent that in? All right. Here we go. Joe from Lakeside asks... What is meant? What's meant? meant? Yeah. By unsu- unsupported, unsupported Un- yep. chambered in Glock 40 cal gun and 
Is it dangerous? So what's meant? Who was that? Who wrote in? Uh, Joe from Lakeside. Jose, actually. Jose from Lakeside. He said, we, what's meant by an unsupported chamber in a Glock 40, and is it dangerous? Jose from Lakeside. Thanks for writing in. Um, now, let me clarify. Uh, he's talking about 40 caliber Glocks, not the Glock Model 40. Um, the, their naming scheme can confuse some people sometimes. Um, so don't get those two mixed up. Anyone who's listening, don't do that, please. Um, so... The I, I feel like this something something like this has been asked before, but some semi-automatic some semi-automatic pistols are designed in such a way that the breech block does not entirely um, cover the head of the case. So there there can sometimes be a gap, sort of where the feed ramp is between the barrel and where it mates up to the um, the breech block in the slide. And in certain high-pressure rounds like the 40 Smith & Wesson, uh, that has been known to cause issues before. Early 40 caliber Glocks um, were notorious for a, because a few of them had issues with um, basically detonations. I'm assuming that was because people were hand-loading their 40 cal ammo out of spec. But um, either way, it's, it's not an issue if the chamber is fully supported. And in those Glocks, it was not. Uh, before you, 1911 fanboys uh, use that to claim superiority. 1911s also do not have fully supported chambers. So that sounds right, right, Joe? Uh, sound, yeah, looking at the explanation there. Look, yeah. Hey, Sam, do they, um, is that when they, you'll hear people talk about Glock bulge sometimes in uh, cases? Is that um, the same thing or is that what causes that? Uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's the same thing. Um, I'm assuming it's at least related, but in a lot of uh, a lot of pistols, you'll get uh, basically any auto-loading pistol. You'll get a little bit of a bulge in the case uh, right between the extractor groove and um, sort of the the wall of the case because it's still extracting under relatively high pressure, so the brass bulges out. If you're a reloader, that becomes a concern, but otherwise, it's not really a big deal. Um, I, I think they, they might be related, uh, though. And how does that affect reliability? Um, I'm not aware of it causing any problems with reliability unless you're using ammo that's significantly more powerful than that for which the gun was designed, in which case you will get, um, I'll, I'll just say, issues. But the, I think the unsupported, isn't, I, it, I believe, I don't know, but an unsupported chamber actually makes it a little bit more reliable. It's a, kind of looser tolerances and uh, makes makes it a little bit more forgiving. Am I wrong on that? I haven't heard anything to that effect. It doesn't mean it's not true. I just haven't heard anything about that. Interesting. All right. Well, there you go, man. You got it right. Correct. So is a 40, wait a minute, all Glocks have unsupported chambers though, right? Um, I believe so. I think they they did beef up the um, that area of the action in later generations, but I don't think they have a fully supported chamber still. So it was there. I guess I'm I'm reading through here. Was there something specific? Did they did they just throw that 40 cal in there to throw you off, or was there something specific about the 40 cal? Um, no, the, it, it wasn't an issue with the 9mm Glocks, but when they moved into 40, basically they took their 9mm pistol and redesigned it to shoot 40 instead of designing a bigger gun. Um, and so the uh, a few of them blew up because they couldn't handle the pressure. Well, I can relate to that. 
you'll you'll hear people <laughs> blowing up, can't handle the block nades and whatnot. But as far as I'm aware, it hasn't been a problem since the '90s. All right, interesting. Cool. Wait, wait. So one more time. So, but the. But all Glocks have an unsupported chamber. It's just that it's different with the 40 cal? You keep saying that. I know. I don't understand. I, I noticed. I don't think I understand. Try again. Am I Sam. the only one? Go ahead, So Sam. the um, the As I said, the, the Glock pistols were originally designed in 9mm. 40 is a more powerful round. Yeah. There's more powder inside the case. It's, it's a physically larger case with more powder in it. Right. So redesigning a 9mm pistol in 40, there wasn't enough room to make it necessarily as strong as maybe it should have been in the right area. Right, right, right. I get that, but the, okay, so but here's the 9 a, let and me the try. 40. Let me oh, try it. All Glock pistols are unsupported. Yes or not, no? But it's not an issue in 9 millimeter. No. Okay, but it's, it's not an issue. That's where I'm getting hung up. What what exactly is the issue? Blowing up. Oh, I see. All right. I got it. <laughs> okay. All right. You need some Denny's spaghetti. I just refuse to. I'm like, it's like. I just refuse to believe that there's any problem with any kind of Glock. That's what it is. It's cognitive, cognitive well, dissonance. It didn't what it, even dawn on me until you just said that. I'm That's just like, a, what? There can't be an yeah, issue how could with that a Glock. Glock. My Jeep have a flat tire. No, <laughs> no Jeeps have flat tires. What are you kidding me? All right. Excellent job, Sam. As always. Are you doing anything for Memorial Day or are you just, uh, just relaxing? No, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's Memorial Day. It's not something we celebrate. It's something we commemorate. Um, so I, I don't I don't really have any specific plans per se. Okay, cool, cool. Watch uh, you watch Turner Classic Movies. It'll be nothing but positive war mate movies all day long. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's you know it's 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 I guess something that Americans do. They they want to watch more movies on Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Yeah, uh, but some of them are pretty upbeat. Some of, most of them are pretty because they're. The rah-rah movies. I think our country could use a little rah-rah. I agree, but something that sort of bothers me is when people don't really know the difference between all of the American-specific holidays. Like I had one wish me happy Memorial Day the other day, which is not what you do. Veterans Day is for the ones who came back. Memorial Day is for the ones who didn't. Exactly. Well, I just know you're you're so close to D.C. I thought maybe, uh, I don't know, I thought maybe they had like uh, something going on in Arlington or something like that. I'm sure they do. Do they, do they even yeah, celebrate I that back there? I just I, I don't have any specific plans to go up there for that. All right. Cool. All right, my friend. Awesome job. You got it right again. You saved me a couple of tickets to Gun Prom, but don't worry. If you didn't win Jose from Lakeside, you can still go to gunprom.com. Buy your tickets today. Yeah. Thanks to you, Sam. No one is coming to the Gun Prom. <laughs> it's just well, my... Well, thanks very much for having me on, as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep the questions coming. You got thanks, it, Sam. buddy. Hey, let's right. do it real quick. You don't know Jack. What do you say, bud? I you don't know, Jackson. <laughs> so what did you do yesterday, or what did you do just now? What did you do today? This morning. Um, well, we actually came down straight from Paula because um, I shot my steel match. Nice. Shot a steel match. And this is the first steel match you shot? Uh, yeah. How did, did you have fun? Absolutely. What was the toughest part? Um, I wouldn't say that there were... Any tough Nothing parts. was tough. You're that good. <laughs> awesome well, job. Did you like the Texas Star? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's usually pretty tough. Wait a minute. You didn't go to Denny's before you went to Paula. Well, I don't have any spaghettis. Why go to Denny's? Uh-huh. Right. I at least went to McDonald's for breakfast. Amen to that. Yeah, there you go. Egg McMuffin, food, folks, and fun. Or bacon my or ham. 
Uh, sausage McGriddle. There you go. Oh, you like the <laughs> McGriddle, huh? Don't yeah. you think that's got a little too much syrup? It, it's pretty syrupy. Oh, I But you like it. The more the syrup, the tastier it gets. There you go. <laughs> well, at least for my right. instincts. Well, I think you're right. Otherwise, you wouldn't order it, right? No, because if pancakes and sausage without syrup, it's just Oh, yeah, that's, that's like eating paper. Yeah, or stucco. All right. Well, hey, it's good having you in. Folks, subscribe to our show. Give us a big old five-star review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. You name it, we're there. And thanks to all our sponsors. If you have an opportunity, definitely support them. San Diego County, Orange County, Inland Empire, Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Street Digital Marketing, Seal One, Leo Hamill Fine Jewelry, San Diego Flight Training International, and a big shout-out to Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Action Jackson, and Brendan Thomas right here on Gun Owners Radio FM 96.1. AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.